five, four, three, two, one. I'm Mark Boucher. My guest this week is Michelle Mendez, the Executive Director and President of the Canadian Space Commerce Association. The Canadian Space Commerce Association is a not-for-profit organization founded in 2007 that describes itself as the National Association for the Space Sector, representing industry, academia, professionals, young entrepreneurs, and students. Michelle is also a member of the Independent Space Advisory Board, created by the government to provide ongoing input on Canada's space sector. As a disclosure, I'll point out that I was one of the co-founders of the association and that I led it for two years before Michelle took over in June of 2016. Today we'll be talking about satellites, in particular how technology and miniaturization of components has allowed researchers and companies to build much smaller and less costly satellites for a variety of tasks, including Earth observation. We're using these small satellites for farming, monitoring our climate, disaster response, ship tracking, and more. Next February 13th to the 15th in Toronto, the association will be holding its second Canadian SmallSat Symposium. The first conference was held in February 2016 and was sold out. As a disclosure, I'll point out that the conference was my idea and that I organized the first one with Michelle's help. This time around, though, I'm not organizing the conference. However, SpaceQ is the official media sponsor and we'll have a team of reporters there. The association is hoping to attract upwards of 400 people for the coming event. Welcome, Michelle, to the SpaceQ podcast. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for hosting me. So, small satellites encompass a wide variety of satellite sizes. They can be smaller than an iPhone. They can be the size of a toaster oven. They can get bigger, weighing upwards of 500 kilograms. CubeSats are a type of nano satellites that have a form factor of 10 centimeter by 10 centimeter by 10 centimeter and can be stacked together to form larger satellites. This form factor was one of the reasons why uh, the satellite industry has been revolutionized. A 2015 report by Euroconsult estimated the value of the market to be $7.4 billion between 2015 and 2019, and subsequent reports have the figure climbing much higher. Michelle, is Canada positioned to participate in this revolution? Well, when we first had the small sat symposium back in 2016, the interest at the time was significant. And since then, uh, you've noticed that it has been growing exp exponentially, as you mentioned, both locally and abroad. And back when, the, uh, when there was a market, uh, we needed to address the significantly important role that Canada was playing in developing, in developing the small sats and the related technology. So as you mentioned, uh, the market of 7.4 uh, billion, the, the number we were working on uh, in 2016 was that 3,600 small sats were expected to be launched through 2025. And as of this year, that number jumped to 6,200. So the constellations are having a very large impact on, on this market. And 
Canada is absolutely playing uh, a key role in this and is positioned to successfully lead uh, with such uh, success stories as Space Flight Labs. And Canada is also known worldwide for its ability to uh, develop leading technologies and to commercialize it. So there are a lot of small satellite conferences globally. They seem to be springing up almost every month, it seems. Um, why have this conference in Canada? So this, this event will gather thought leaders in key areas to inform the small sat community, both nationally and globally. The, the difference with this symposium is that we are focusing on Canada. We're focusing on the value of Canada and Canadians that they bring to the global satellite community. And uh, the theme of the conference is responsible revolution. Can you elaborate on what you mean by that? Uh, the theme is uh, small satellites responsible revolution, and it is uh, focusing on the sustainability of space. And when you speak about the sustainability of space, people often think of orbital debris. And while there are tens and hundreds of thousands and millions of pieces of debris up there uh, occupying the very valuable real estate in orbit, there are other issues in space sustainability as well, such as radio frequency interference, uh, the decreasing uh, availability of orb orbital slots, the international governance of these space activities, the uh, space situational awareness, and as we've seen of late, the defense activities in space. And of course, being the Canadian Space Commerce Association, we're also talking about the sustainability of the business and finance of space activities. So all of these issues are going to be addressed at the conference? Yes, and we, we chose to focus on sustainability because for, for many years, uh, as, as you and your audience knows, uh, the United Nations Committee on the Peaceful Uses of Outer Space has worked tirelessly to uh, deal with sustainability issues. And at the recent United Nations High-Level Forum, they were focusing priorities for the planned Unispace conference in 2018 so that they could align their efforts. And Canada played a leadership role in that. And because Canada holds a global leadership position in diplomacy and in environmental sustainability efforts, this is an excellent opportunity to leverage both those strengths so that we can help the world to meet the sustainability development goals set by the United Nations. All right. So uh, the small satellite industry in Canada um, has a few players that are um, wanting to put up uh, constellations of small satellites for a variety of reasons. You have Kepler Communications that's looking to put up satellites these small satellites that talk to each other, machine-to-machine -machine interaction to, uh, for communication. You have Telesat that's looking at communication for internet access in remote areas. Uh, you have Earthcast that's looking to put up uh, a new constellation for uh, Earth observation. Um, but aside from those companies which have a business plan, which are going into these areas, 
What other areas within the small satellite industry do you see as potential growth areas that Canadian companies might enter? I see data and analytics being a very strong suit for Canada. Being the downstream side of space, uh, Canada has an excellent infrastructure already in place and they're developing a more enhanced uh, data backbone in Canada. And this is something that Canada could take uh, the world lead on. Uh, I always did think that uh, Earth observation and its dovetail with things like um, defense and security with the with the new defense program that has been uh, released in Canada, uh, the environmental initiatives that, that Canada is, is working towards in the Paris Accord, and of course, uh, the many disaster mitigation, earth observation applications, uh, both in Canada and as we see going on right now in uh, the United States and California. Uh, and and I do think that Canada is well suited and, and very well positioned in the communications, as as you said, with Telesat. Uh, Canada. Uh, the more people I speak to internationally, the the world sees Canada as a communications leader and a pioneer. And given our geography, it makes sense uh, for us to be a pioneer in this area. So. You've, uh, you're a member of the Space Advisory Board, and one of the things that you did last year was go out from across the country and online and, and listen to the community uh, to find out what they thought about uh, uh, you know, how the Canadian government uh, is doing, what Canada needs to be doing. So my question is, has the Canadian government, in your opinion, been doing enough to support the small satellite community and, and the, the satellite market in Canada? So I think the government recognizes that there, uh, there, there are ways to, to support the small satellite community with, with broader programs that are out there. That, uh, for example, the industrial and academic supports where industry and academia get together, they can uh, continue technology development with um, with very generous supports from uh, from the Canadian government. And uh, even independently that they can do that. I think the government is also uh, looking at the uh, the unique supports that can be given to uh, the space sector. And uh, I, I mean, under the innovation and skills plan, the, uh, the space sector can realize some support. The reorganization of the strategic innovation fund uh, has been very helpful for that. All right. So going back to the, the conference itself, uh, while a schedule isn't out yet for the conference, uh, will you be engaging the investment, communicate, uh, investment community to participate at the conference? It seems to me that this is an area in Canada where there hasn't been enough discussion and interest, from what I can tell, by the investment community as compared to other evolving markets such as blockchain and cryptocurrency. Well, I'm glad you asked that, Mark, because we are uh, reaching out to traditional business sectors, such as the consulting, legal, and financial sector. Uh, space is an exceptionally lucrative area uh, for them, and we would like to lead them to understand that. 
where Canada's excellence in technology will help to bolster uh, our already leading edge in areas like patent, patent development, uh, the fundability ratios and others. Uh, in fact, we are going to be hosting uh, one such uh, workshop that is, the working title is uh, Investing in Space 101, and that is a workshop that is targeted to non-space business leaders and investors so that they can understand the nuances of space investment. Uh, and while we are also providing a robust program to uh, those who are already stakeholders in the small sat uh, area, uh, giving them uh, opportunities to collaborate and updates and networking, um, we are also reaching out to uh, areas like AI and quantum computing uh, because those cross-sectoral collaborations are going to advance uh, the development of space technology. And uh, this workshop, this workshop is part of the SmallSat Symposium? It is. It is. Okay, great. I didn't know that. Uh, and uh, We'll be announcing it shortly, <laughs> as okay. we will with uh, many of our other speakers. Yes, I noticed yesterday that you put out a press release uh, announcing that one of your key featured speakers is Dr. Michael Simpson of the Secure World Foundation. Can you tell me a little bit about... Uh, um, uh, why the Secure World Foundation would be coming up and why Dr. Simpson would be speaking? So Dr. Simpson has been the executive director of uh, the Secure World Foundation for, for quite some time now. Uh, that NGO uh, sits as an observer at the United Nations and has been instrumental in advising the Sustainability Committee uh, at the UN. So they don't just look out for uh, the U.S. interests of space sustainability. They look out for global interests and they work, um, they work with all nations uh, to provide uh, advice on what is needed and, and how to achieve it. And uh, Dr. Simpson saw what our theme was, and uh, he, uh, he graciously um, accepted my invitation to come. So how many speakers are you expecting uh, at the event? We are expecting 90, over 90 speakers. Wow, that's, uh, that's a lot of people. That's excellent. That that is a lot. <laughs> um, and other than Dr. Simpson, are you expecting much participation from outside of Canada? Uh, yes, we have um, Surrey Satellite Technology Limited uh, will be sending uh, uh, Luis Gomez, uh, who will be speaking about their space removal technology that will be launched next year. Uh, we also have um, uh, we also have nano racks coming, and we are just discussing with um, uh, OneWeb and SpaceX, and are waiting to see their availability. Okay, that's interesting. That Luis Gomez is a great speaker. He spoke at the last conference, um, and it'll be interesting to hear what uh, Surrey has to say about their technology, which of course it will be in direct competition with. Uh, Maxar Technologies offering through their uh, SSL business unit uh, out of California. Yes. Um, so, and we we will be we will be asking MDA to provide a speaker for that. Uh, we're just um, we're just confirming some details. Okay. So, your organization has been, uh, and I suppose this is on a broader topic, has been engaging your stakeholders and the government on several regulatory fronts. Is the small satellite segment? 
problematic for new businesses in Canada, or is the government adapting to the new realities of this fast-moving market? So the the government is uh, very aware of some of the um, uh, the uh, barriers to entry for Canada in this area, and we have been uh, advocating uh, strongly for our uh, our members and for the Canadian satellite companies, uh, so that we can have a more efficient and robust framework uh, to maintain the sustainability of space uh, through uh, Canadian participation specifically through the north. Um, the, the government was very aware of the McGill report and took it very seriously. They are currently undergoing a review and they are looking to provide some, some guidance. So um, this, uh, the McGill report you're talking about uh, is the Remote Sensing uh, Systems Act, if I remember correctly. That's right. Um, uh, which came out, uh, which gets reviewed every five years? Every five years. Every five years by law. Uh, yes. And it's the uh, Institute of Air and Space Law in, at McGill University in Montreal that, that did the review. And, of course, we had an exclusive story on that, which you can find on Space Q. Um, so, uh, yes, I understand. I, I have uh, read some of uh, the material that the CSCA has put out regarding this. Um, so my question is, uh, will the government, uh, since they have this opportunity, having this uh, small satellite conference and all, presumably, all the stakeholders in Canada at this event, wouldn't it be a perfect venue for them to attend and to uh, provide an update on uh, their thoughts on this? Yes, we, we are inviting the um uh, Global Affairs Canada to to come and provide an update on that, and we will have to see closer to the date um, as to whether they will be able to do that. So I wouldn't be able to confirm their attendance um, at this point, but uh, we are we are putting we we have put out an invitation to that. Well, if anybody from Global Affairs is listening and. Uh, I think it would be great if the, the, the community which is gathering would be able to get an update on this uh, very important topic. Um, all right, moving on to uh, also related, but not directly related to the conference, the Canadian Space Agency has started in a new initiative called the, the Canadian CubeSat Project. Um, ironically enough, if you will, uh, Alex McDonald, uh, a Canadian but who works at NASA, came to the first conference and actually said, hey, we're doing this competition in, this, in, in the U.S. where we get universities to, from each state to build and to launch a satellite. Um, well, the Canadian CubeSat project seems to be uh, listening, uh, and um, this is basically uh, the aim is to have a CubeSat designed and built by students, undergraduate and graduate from uh, universities from every province and territory, and where there is lacking experience, uh, they can then team up with, uh, you know, a territory can team up with another province. A couple of provinces can team up together. So uh, it sounds like an interesting uh, program. Um, but here's the question for you. Do you think the program is well thought out and will it build Canadian talent? 
I think that the program was deliberated uh, quite carefully before it was launched. Uh, I know that the goal uh, of the challenge was to reach every Canadian. And it, it had a, a broader scope to expand uh, space technology and interests uh, f- further afield than the, uh, the students that were already in, involved in space. So I, I know that their efforts have been lauded by uh, many inside and outside of the space sector uh, because it's bringing uh, science, uh, the science of space to all those who otherwise would not have engaged specifically with CubeSats. So um, we, we are hoping to welcome them at the, um, the conference, at the symposium, so that they can give us an update as to where they are. Uh, I know that uh, those that are working on the ground and behind the scenes have been, uh, have been working very hard to, uh, to have a, um, a program that is going to meet the needs of uh, the CubeSat community as a whole. So now there is another uh, project out there or another satellite uh, initiative uh, that's been ongoing, uh, the Canadian Satellite Design Challenge, which Larry Reeves was one of the founders of that and who was actually on this podcast last week. That uh, Satellite Design Challenge has been around since 2011. Uh, it's engaged hundreds of students, and Larry was thinking maybe upwards of a 1,000 students. And some of those people are now working uh, in industry and, uh, and also uh, in academia. Do you think the CSA should have supported that program rather than building its own? And I I should point out also that they actually have supported that program in providing in-kind support um, so that the the entries could then take their satellites to the David Florida lab in in Ottawa to uh, go through some vibration testing. Uh, But what I'm actually talking about here is instead of creating another CubeSat or university initiative, um, maybe they could have actually worked with the Canadian Satellite Design Challenge and then taken that program, which was already existing, to the next level because it's already engaging lots of students. So I, it's, it's very interesting because I spoke with Larry this w- last week and I've spoken to the Canadian Space Agency and they're both complementary uh, of each other and they say that both programs have, you know, can coexist and, uh, uh, and have unique attributes. But I just wonder if it would have been better to just have one program. So that's, that's a very good question. I, I get asked that uh, a lot since the launch of the, Cubes, uh, the Canadian CubeSat program. It's um, it to to me the way I I I reason it is the is that they don't they're not the same uh, they're not the same challenge. So 
I, I do understand that they're both um, CubeSat challenges, uh, but I think they have different targets. And, and I think that the, uh, that having both is, uh, is, is good for Canada. Having the diversity is good for Canada. I applaud Larry Reeves. I think that uh, he and his team have done an incredible job with very few resources. Um, I know that the CSA and the CSDC are collaborating on the future of their own and the uh, future of challenges in general. Uh, there is an enormous amount of respect between these two, and uh, I know that they will uh, be both working towards having great Canadian challenges. And, uh, you know, and, and there, are, there are also different challenges out there, like the, uh, the Canadian Space Apps Challenge. So, uh, we are looking forward to welcoming Larry Reeves uh, and the Canadian CubeSat team uh, and the Canadian SmallSat, uh, sorry, the Canadian uh, Space Apps Challenge. So uh, we know that all of these can coexist and not um, exclusive of each other. Okay. So um, with respect to uh, the conference, going back to that, um, you had mentioned the workshop. Uh, which is something that I hadn't heard about that you were going to be announcing in the next little bit. Is there anything else about the conference that our uh, audience should uh, know about? Uh, other than the fact that I do notice that <laughs> if you register now, you'll save 30% on tickets. But uh, and how? Wh when does that expire, that savings? So the, uh, the early bird expires December 31st. And from January first until the conference there the, it's it's regular price depending on whether you're a member or not uh, members uh, do save 25% uh, on a, uh, the conference ticket if they're a member of the CSCA members uh, corporate members also save 25% on the posted sponsorship prices so if you want to sponsor and you're not a member and it seems a little pricey uh, our, our our corporate uh membership price is $500. So you can actually save thousands of dollars by becoming a member. Okay. Now, uh, so are there any last hints that you have on, on the program that you might be able to tease us with? Well, um, we will be having a launch track, as you know, and uh, Adam Trumpour um, is uh being very helpful with that. And we are also going to be hearing from Maritime Launch Services um, at, at the event. And we are going to be having a, um, a public outreach uh, track as well so that we can help uh, companies to increase their revenue uh, through public outreach. And uh, a lot of people don't believe that they can do that, but it's true. And we're also uh, looking towards uh, in increasing small set uh company revenue through uh, incorporating data and anal analytics. And so we'll be having uh, Skywatch involved with, uh, with talking about that. Okay. The launch side of it sounds very interesting. Um, I think at the last conference, we tried to get some of the launch providers. Uh, there are none in Canada at this point, but some of the uh, interesting new ones that were coming out. And I think we had a few companies come and talk about their offerings, but uh, um 
you know, Rocket Lab, uh, based out of the U.S. and New Zealand, is going to attempt uh, tonight to launch their second satellite. They are a small satellite launcher. Uh, it'll be uh, fascinating to see if they get off the ground. I know that there are a uh, there have been on and off for several years in Canada uh, some efforts to uh, launch, uh, to create launch vehicles. Uh, but right now, I know of two credible stealth companies that are trying to do it. And, uh, of course, Maritime Launch Services. And uh, uh, Maritime Launch Services has been in the news again. Uh, they seem to be, uh, things seem to be moving forward with that. So it'll be exciting to hear from them. Uh, and, of course, one of the biggest questions that I'll have for them, which is, <laughs> how is the funding going? Because without uh, uh, securing the, the funding, uh, it uh, their venture won't move forward. So hopefully we'll get an update at that point. So, um, oh, I suppose our uh, listeners should know, what's the website address so that people can get more information? So the conference takes place February 13th, 14th, and 15th at the Toronto Western Prince Hotel. And the website is smallsat.ca. Okay, Michelle. Well, I'd like to thank you for being a guest on the Space Q podcast, and I hope you'll uh, join us again sometime in the future. Well, thank you for inviting me. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of the Space Q Podcast. If you have comments on this episode, you can email me at podcast at spaceq.ca or you can post them on our website at spaceq.ca where you'll find an archive of each episode. You can also find Space Q on Twitter at Canada in Space and we post all our articles and podcasts to Facebook at The Space Q and don't forget to like us on Facebook. I'm also on LinkedIn at Mark K. Boucher and if we're connected, you'll get Space Q articles and the podcast notification in your newsfeed. If you like the show, please subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app. If you use iTunes, please consider rating the show and writing review if you're so inclined.